This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, everyone. You're listening to Human to Human, the show that connects truths and bridges the gaps between our human experiences one conversation at a time. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and I'm so glad you're here. This episode's special guest is Debbie Brown, well-being educator, author, and speaker. I love this episode because me and Debbie, we talk about the gray area. You know, that part that we ignore because we were told to believe that things are in black and white. Yeah, that part. Debbie and I talk about cultivating self-trust when things get cloudy and confusing, aka 2020, 2021, life in general. (laughs) We also talk about the necessity of self-forgiveness to access our highest selves fully and freely. Did I already mention that I love this conversation? Before each episode, I give a few recommendations inspired by the conversation that you're about to hear. I share a song to add to your playlist and a book to check out. I also share a reflection question that's based on something that was sparked by the episode. So this week's song to put on repeat is Growing Pains by Alessia Cara. You'll understand why. This week's read is Crystal Bliss by Queen Debbie Brown herself. And the reflection question is, am I using old beliefs to hold me back? Whew, that one's a doozy. So I would get, I'd get a pen and paper. Don't hesitate to leave your response in the comments or at stacyi.com. Now let's get into the conversation. Really, really excited to have you on the show, girl. Yes, thank you for having me. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Welcome, girl. So, first of all, um, this episode is going to be talking about cultivating self trust in the gray area. Um, I believe that right now, depending on where you are in life, but I'll speak for myself, um, the gray area is becoming more familiar. You know, it's not my favorite color, but it is becoming something I'm becoming familiar with. And uh, it's a space where there's no right or wrongs. It just is. There's no ups and downs necessarily. It's just happening. There's no good and bad. Um, Life is opening up in ways that truly I I wasn't, um, I'm not surprised by, but I'm, I plan to be more nervous. And now that I've been swimming around in this area more, it, it's it's getting okay. And so talking about rebuilding self-trust in that space, because in certainty, you you trust the certainty, right? Like you trust like a I know. And in this space, I don't know what that's I don't know exactly what that's like. So, so I, I read an article where you talked about how for you strength was a big part of your identity. And the strength was how much sleep you were not getting and how much you could do. And that hit me so deep, girl. I was like, okay, wow. So I'd love to first talk about how you identify yourself now, presently. Yeah, so hmm. now presently, <laughs> I just am. <laughs> I know that sounds very ethereal, but um, yeah, in this moment, um, I don't really, I mean, you know, I have titles, I have a few working positions. I also have roles that I play in my life for, you know, my family, my friends, but uh, I don't feel bound by anything particular right now. I feel pretty expansive and I feel like I have the ability to be many things at the same time and also nothing. Um, so I think right now I, I don't, I feel pretty boundless. I don't feel, um, like I have a specific umbrella I'm keeping myself under. I'm also feeling extremely open to 
all of the new refining that's happening in my life. You know, when we started talking, it's so funny, you, you were speaking to this gray area and you were speaking to um, cultivating self-trust while in the gray area. And, you know, really, um, I think the deeper truth of that messaging is what we thought was self-trust previously during certainty was not that was actually distrust that was a desire to control right like that was a i'll be comfortable if or i'll accept if or i'll feel this way about myself if and the gray area is actually the space that we should always be floating in you know um that that space that we're defining as the gray area that is truly the what we call in meditation, the space for pure potentiality. So that is the container where absolutely anything is possible and you are in a constant state of evolution and growth. So the most natural state for us to actually be in, the most loving position for us to be in with ourselves is that gray area. It is that container, that space where we are continuously in trust and surrender. So even though you describe it so beautifully, it it's a place that truly like, it, depending on how you you were raised, but in my upbringing, the gray area was people who had no idea what they were talking about, right? And like those are the people like okay, they they still on a journey, they still figure it out, and to find out later, they were so open and loving and and willing to. I think that's a judgment people give other people when they're scared to access themselves, right? Like I remember, like, you know, sometimes we hear older people say, oh, she just trying to figure it out or, or, you know, things like that. And really what that is, is kind of this um, mixture of admiration and judgment because people that have an observation like that of another person as they're processing in that lens of, of judgment or, um, trying to put a definition on it's usually because they are unprocessed in certain regards or unhealed in certain regards and so it's easy to point out someone else and say oh they're going through it or oh they're still on their journey or they're figuring it out when in actuality that is the constant that is that's what each of us is doing and is supposed to doing but if we make the choice not to and we make the choice not to move forward or not to heal then we say stuck and we're just in judgment and observation of other people. Um, but that gray area where people are kind of maybe effortlessly sharing their testimony or sharing their process or seeming like they're trying to figure it out, that's what we should all be striving for. That's the point of being alive. That's why we're here. There's not, and there shouldn't be a moment for any of us. And I've, I've talked to some of the wisest people that have ever walked this earth and they will be the first to tell you um, that their life is a constant, a constant surrender and evolution. And they would be the first to tell you that, um, you know, run away from anyone that calls themselves an expert or anyone that says they've arrived somewhere, you know, run the opposite direction. That's not who you should learn from because they're rigid and they're stuck. And there's this quote that I love. It says, um, an intelligent man asks for enlightenment, a wise man becomes love and allows everything to come to him. Ooh. Did you ever have that judgment of I'm figuring out, I'm not sure what's going on for yourself? 
like in the moment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, and that's, and that's the beautiful part of it. None of us are ever wrong about any of this. Like, you know, I, well, you know, the core part of my belief is I've, I'm ancient. I've been here many times. Um, I, I believe I keep coming back to earth to learn whatever I need to know, but I've only been this me once, right? Like I've only been in this particular package with this name and this, you know, experience once. So this idea that I'm going to make it through life with an A or make it through the pandemic with an A, it's just silly. Like I got to take that pressure off of myself, you know, like, um, but yeah, you know, I think we all, we all spend a, a vast majority of our lives unhealed. And so we're always processing. And sometimes, you know, we, we connect it to our higher self and sometimes we're very low frequency with it. Um, but for sure, I think, you know, I would, I would say I've been on my journey my whole life. And that's what I think for all of us. Um, even if you're just like a little bit awake, I think that I've always looked at life to some extent as even without having the correct language or the context as being um, an evolution in every moment, you know, this, this opportunity to transform and to grow in every moment. I remember being even a kid and being really drawn to like, like self-help books and like what, like, <laughs> or even, even things as little as like wanting to always watch like home renovation shows because like watching transformation and watching work in progress leading to something else just like always fascinated me. Um, but I think, you know, even I've probably been very hardcore with my journey for the last 10 years, but I look at how I've grown in the last four months of this pandemic and I've, I've grown 10 times, whatever I did in 10 years, you know? So I think even, even in the moments that I think I have it figured out, there's always more to know there's always a deeper way to connect to yourself. Um, so to answer your question, yes. Like, I mean, I've been a mess many times in my life, you know, the perceived mess, if I were to place a judgment on it, but you know, it's just, and, and I hope to look back at the version of who I am right now in, in a couple of years and be like, woo, you came a long right. way, you know? <laughs> Isn't that the crazy part about the journey? Um, you always, like hindsight is just so funny. It's, it's actually so, yeah. Wonderful, but hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. You're like, what was that? What was that? But without the judgment, more of the excitement of the fact that you just keep moving. I think that's really yeah. just learning, you know, because it's easy to say like, oh, I'm, I was wrong then, now I'm right. I was wrong then, now I'm right. Again, that gray area. Yeah. But there's no right or wrong, you know, like it, it's just you did the best you could in that moment with the tools that you have. And that's where we have to come into a space of continual non-judgment and self-forgiveness. Um, because even if we think of ourselves in our worst moment, it's the deeper truth is that in that moment, who you were with the tools you had, you did the best you could. And now you know better. And so you're making different choices that feel more serving. Um, but yeah, you know, releasement of judgment of self is the biggest gift we can give each other. And 
I really want to stress that this piece of it takes time, like embodying non-judgment takes time. And we can all look at Instagram all day. We can all look at the positive quotes. We can all share our own positive quotes, but for the most part, that, that component of it is the intellectualization of it. The embodiment, it takes years. It takes years to actually fully become what it is you're aspiring towards or what inspires you. And that's okay. But the dangerous part becomes when we try to bypass, when we see this aspirational thing, we say, I want to be that. And then we pretend we're that, but without actually like looking at our shadows and looking at the spaces of us that have to be excavated and then have to be hugged and loved, you know? Um, and, and I think that's a difference, especially, you know, if you look on Instagram, it's like wellness, well-being, positivity, self-love, like it's super on trend right now. The way it's typically sold doesn't include the directions that actually allow you to become it and live it. And so for so many people, they, they exist in this space where they're in constant judgment of themselves because things aren't adding up. You're saying this, but you're still feeling like this. You're saying this, but you're still making these choices like on and on and on. And that's the, that's the embodiment component. That's where we have to give each other space and grace for the process. You cannot bypass the actual process of implementation, no matter how many quotes you know by heart, no matter how smiley you're trying to be, like the truth of it is, none of it is real without processing it and looking at yourself with honest eyes. And then also forgiving yourself for every time you judged yourself. Girl, uh, okay, because the, the beautiful thing about that is you gave us permission right now to have the room, but how do we, and how have you done the self-examination, done the implementation while still having to go outside? Yeah. Like that's the thing about the pandemic that I was like, after screaming and yelling and crying, I'm like, oh, perfect. I'm, I'm inside, you know, so I can actually go inside and y'all don't have to see, I don't have to get on this grid. I'm not working, whatever, right? Like once you take all the scariness and sadness out of that, you, I, that was the positive part, but we're back outside again. The self-examination hasn't stopped. We can't stop and be like, okay, zip up. You got to walk outside. So yeah. in your process, or, or even experiences of constant pivots and self-examinations in those moments. Like, how did you do it while still seeing family, hanging out with friends, being with husband, yeah. all of that? Like, we're still alive. We're still here. We can't just hide. Um, you know, I'm, I'm pretty unabashed in my process. Like, I don't put on for anyone in any way. So my boundaries are really clear. And that was probably one of the most rewarding aspects of my journey was eventually getting to a space where I could say no freely or I could show up as my full self and and not care how I'm received and I think you know some of the processes of how that looks when you are embodying like your heart's deepest desire of who you want to be it's really trusting your own path and trusting your own voice at the end of the day I I'm I'm truly like profoundly blessed with phenomenal people in my life. Like to the point, sometimes it like brings me to tears when I think about the depth of friendship I have with people and um, the meaningful conversations I'm able to have with the people I trust and love. Um, but whether they existed in my life or not, I gotta be me and I gotta love me and I gotta accept me 
you know? And so coming into that space where you just feel so strongly connected to the deepest layer of who you are, you feel so strongly connected to your authenticity. It allows you, and it takes practice. This is not, you wake up like this, right? It takes practice and it takes, um, it takes not judging yourself when you don't do it right all the time. Um, but that's the piece that allows you to kind of move through the world, regardless of what you're facing. And also regardless of what people think of you, you know, like really understanding the mechanism of projection and why people do it and how people do it and getting to a space where even if they intend for it to be personal, you don't take it personally. Like you cannot like me. And that is more than fine. Like you have that right. You can, you can think half the stuff I'm saying is BS. You have that absolute right. You don't have to validate me for me to believe in me. You don't have to validate what I'm saying for it to be true and resonate with me. And I think the more we stand in that, the more we show up as our full selves on purpose every day, regardless, not only the better we feel, but we notice that the universe adapts to that intention that we set to be our full selves. And so you'll start noticing that you're not even in the same rooms with the people that are vibrating at a frequency of judgment, you know? And then when you are, you have a profound compassion for them because you know that it must really hurt to live that way on some level, that it is their own discomfort with who they are and not you. And so I'm not going to be, um, I'm not going to be swayed. I'm not going to be diminished or minimized by someone that doesn't even love themselves. How could you accept me? How could you love me? How could you appreciate anything about me? And that's okay. And I, and I, I send you that energy with love and I wish you the best on your journey, but you're not going to take me off of mine. When you're talking about being your full self, for me, what, what pops into my mind is managing the access to other information away from being your full self, right? So like you're in a moment of talking about it so beautifully and I'm like, well, how do you know when you're being your full self? How do you trust? Is there, is there something that you're like, that feels like me or that is me? Like, what is that trusting practice that you cultivated or figured out to actually recognizing your full self when it was happening and then going with that more and more and more yeah beautiful question and i think um and i don't want to overly simplify so i'm going to also follow this up with some tools but when you're your full self there's no question needed you know like when you're standing in your full self you don't even stop to think if you're your full self or not because you're fully embodied you're showing up. And I think that, you know, great way to practice being your full self, do some gut checking. So every time you say yes, when you want it to say no, sit with that and see how that resonates in your chest and in your gut and what that feels like, because that sense of personal betrayal is how most of us live the majority of our lives. And we think it's really small ways. And so we think it doesn't add up, but we're teaching ourselves that we don't even consider ourselves worthy of our own best interest. And so when we create that space, it's hard for the universe to show up with any people in our lives that have, that see value and worth in us to the fullest extent, right? Because we're so quickly willing to roll over for ourselves. So then we roll over for everyone else, but then we think, why does everyone treat me like this? Something's wrong with me. And you get caught in this vicious cycle that you started because you didn't stand in your power 
and give the answers that you wanted to give, you know? And so I think the more we practice that detachment, the more that we practice standing on our truth in real time, feeling our emotions in real time, saying no in real time or saying yes, when we want to in real time. Like when we practice our integrity, when we practice like following our gut, that's how we build up all of this merit to eventually allow us to arrive in the moment as our full self. But it's those practices, right? Like I could tell you 1 million self-care rituals right now. I could give you a hundred podcast, you know, episodes to listen to, or, you know, a stack of 50 self-help books. But until you actually start showing up with the fullness of what you actually want to do in that moment, you're not going to access your full self, you know, until you actually in real time, listen to your body's intuition. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wayne, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. And make choices out of that and seek whatever your higher power is first for your leadership. Um, you could read all the books. You could do all the things. You could have one million bath bombs and, you know, go to a meditation retreat and, do take, you know, fire, um, bohemian photos for your Instagram. You could do all of those things, but none of it's going to be real. It's going to be a role that you're playing. The realness comes in setting healthy boundaries. Wow. Even with whatever repercussions come with that, because a lot of the healthy boundaries that we do set, I, I, I don't know if they all do for people, but I know family is a big part of that and then friendships and then work and then all that comes in and it keeps extending out. Um, but with, with cultivating self-trust within healthy boundaries, how did you trust that you were, your time and, your, and what you felt was more important at that time was the right choice? Is that the practice of just saying like, okay, let me sit with that and it felt good or okay, well, no, maybe I should have been there. And then deciding to pivot, or did you do it several times before you made choice, made maybe a final decision of what is healthy and what's not healthy? You have to follow your intuition and you have to trust your own voice and your own self. Like the quickest way to pull yourself out of your growth is to do what you just described that back and forth. It yeah. teaches you that you can't trust yourself. When you try to try to like deeply investigate every decision you make afterwards and go back and forth about it you're teaching yourself not to trust yourself. So the better thing to do is to get still and silent. And the first thing that comes up for you, when you make it a debate, you can't trust yourself because you're not clear on what your internal voice and guidance are. When you sit still and you get centered and the more time you spend inside of yourself and are led with your own integrity, um, you make a choice and you stand with it. And if it's the perceived wrong choice, then you make a different choice next time, but you're not in judgment either way. And you know, I, I definitely understand, you know, family dynamics are complicated. Mm -hmm. They're layered. Very often there's a deep enmeshment there um, where it's a lot of people that are unhealed. 
uh, and they are kind of rah-rahing one another to stay unhealed as part of that collective synergy that happens in families. You know, and I think the thing that's really important, again, the same, the same rules apply to like what I talked about when you're experiencing people in the world. And the more you trust yourself, the more you can stand up for your view of your life. And if people in your life, including your family, are not with it, that's okay. But it doesn't mean that you have to conform to their definition of who you should be or how you should live. Um, and, you know, as we often see with our families, especially that maybe have some of those tighter reins on them, where there's this deep expectation of how you should show up, the decisions you should be making, getting everyone's approval. Well, how have their lives turned out living like that? You know, not, not in a space of judgment, but is there a freedom for them? Are they liberated beings? Are they happy? Um, and if not, that's okay. It's their choice. We all get to choose our path. We don't have to judge our families and we don't have to be angry at them. Um, but we can say we want something else for ourselves. And if they don't understand, they don't understand. And, you know, let them decide how much they want to be with you or how much they want to experience you. But I've noticed that when we have that type of dynamic, then more than likely one of your life's missions is to unlearn that dynamic. So one of the reasons you were probably gifted that challenging experience with your family is because you were meant to overcome it and you were meant to choose yourself. And so until you do, oh you're going to work. Oh my God. That's, so that's the work. That's and until, until you do, the pattern will repeat as needed, you know? I never thought about it like that. Cause that, I mean, in some sense, that does feel common to, to the situation and circumstances, how you were built into it. But then it also is like, why me? You know, you could go that route, but yeah. when yeah. I'm here, it's, wow, that is a really, that's a beautiful way to look at it. it and it could be you gifting them with that lesson too, right? Because the lessons are reciprocated. Now the lessons aren't the same, so they may not be learning the same thing you are learning, but they're pulling from this experience exactly what they need it. Whether they choose to act on it and grow, 100% their choice. But, you know, you don't, you don't also want to rob another person. Like, like our lessons are very symbiotic. Like you don't want to rob another person of the lesson you were meant to deliver because you're too scared to choose yourself, you know? I love that. How do you not allow negative circumstances to develop or, you know, ruin your belief system? How do you not let those limitations happen? Yeah, trust and surrender. Trust and surrender. Here's the thing, okay, I'll tell you one of my earliest understandings that really, for me, it helped and it created a foundation for me being able to have um, deeper understandings of that understanding. So. I would say, um, hold on a sec, how did the thought just fly out of my head? Um, okay, when I, when I finally understood that life was never meant to be easy and that society and capitalism painted a picture that is not real for anyone, it helped me take judgment away from myself, this ideal sense of perfection, but it also let me get clear on why I'm here, right? Like, I think, especially depending on your belief system, I'll say Christianity for one, you're taught that you live a certain kind of life 
And then you go to heaven where it's amazing and perfect and you're with everyone you've ever loved up there and everyone's healed and, you know, white shining light. So if that is our interpretation of what happens when we're not here, why is it our expectation that that also be how we experience life while we are here? It doesn't make sense, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. So the quicker we come into acceptance of the fact that we came down here into earth school. This is a school. We're all learning our lessons. Some of us are in kindergarten. Some of us are on our master's degree. It's the luck of the draw, whatever our soul signed up for. But we are going to have, you know, sometimes we might be in a doctorate program with a fifth grader and a kindergartner and a high schooler. And we're like, we don't all belong here right now, <laughs> but we all have something to learn. And so that's why we're in the same school, regardless of what our grade or pedigree or merit is thus far. And so I think when I really began to understand and look at life um, from that lens of just understanding that I don't have to keep judging my experiences because they're difficult or challenging. That is what we signed up for on earth. That is the point. And if that didn't exist, we wouldn't be here because there'd be no reason. That helps really free you. And, and when you think of it from that perspective, you're then able to empower yourself to get in the driver's seat of your own life. And life isn't about what's happening to you. All of the things happening to you, life is about, well, what's happening for you when you choose to learn from it, when you choose to transcend, when you choose to dive in. Um, and some of us have you know, profoundly challenging and difficult life curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, not to be comparative, but it's like, you know, some people, some people have been given quite a bit of devastation, you know, um, and sometimes circumstances and experiences that you wouldn't wish on anybody um, and that you wish weren't a part of your story. And I think in those moments, it's, there's still an opportunity to choose what to do with the rest of your time and how to spend it and how you can show up for yourself and co-create a life with God that you are truly deserving of. Um, and that speaks to cultivating more joy and more love and more um, value in your everyday. Uh, you mentioned Christianity and from what I know, you weren't necessarily raised in a religious background, but just kind mm -hmm. of have like understanding of the religious background. How, how did that uh, transpire for you if that wasn't necessarily the stronghold I would say stronghold but if that wasn't the uh, structure you were raised in how did you kind of go from that like a what, what type of upbringing was that because I I'm comparing it now to kind of where I see you are and very expansive with your way of talking about God and experiencing God yeah um I don't know it's not something I really thought about when I was growing up it wasn't you know, I grew up in, I grew up in Southern California and I grew up in a lot of places all over Southern California. So there was not one way to worship, you know, like you, it's such a diverse um, population and such a densely populated area that it's like every day I was seeing a hundred different belief systems at play, right? So there was never this sense of one thing having to be everything to someone or one thing being the path to God. Um, I think I was always aware of God. I always experienced God. I always longed to know him more, um, but I was always drawn. What's popping, guys? It's JG here from Blowing Smoke.
If you're a fan of fun, insightful, and breakthrough conversations, then be sure to check out and subscribe to the Blowing Smoke podcast, a show that covers life experiences and firsthand testimonies from some of the biggest names in your favorite industries. And all that brought to you exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip hop, powered by creators. On to many different belief systems. It's all the same story. It's just translated differently for the people that came to know it in the time that that religion came into existence. But it's all the same story, right? Like the story is about connecting to God and remembering the beauty and the love of who you are and being a person of dignity and honor and decency in the world and being of service. Every, almost every belief system ever told has the same tenets at the root of them, you know? Um, so yeah, so that was never something that I experienced comparatively um, or really thought too much about growing up. I, I think I, I was always the seeker. I was always someone that was looking to know more and deeper understandings. Um, to, in some respects, I see it as I'm grateful to not have been so fully indoctrinated so that I had more freedom of exploration to find what was the best fit for me in my relationship with God. So I think, you know, however we're raised in whatever structures we come up in, they all, they're all serving in so many ways. It's just that we have to look deeper at the systems in place that are forcing them on us, right? Because like the core of Christianity is gorgeous. Like the Bible is an epically beautiful book. Christ is a phenomenal example of how to live and how to serve. We should all seek to be Christ-like. Um, but sometimes those structures in place, be it our government, be it our churches, be it our families, they weaponize God. They weaponize religion. They weaponize Christianity as a tool of oppression or as a tool of brainwashing to get you to do and be, you know, what they think. And I think I think it's just important for all of us to know that we don't have to have a middleman to know God. Like we can use different teachings and different leaders as catalysts for growth and for change, but God is inside of you right now. God speaks to you easily and effortlessly in all moments. It's living the life that calibrates us to be able to receive that being uh, regularly. That's why to address when I talked about the awakening earlier of just realizing there is no middleman. Um, being yeah. raised in place, I know there's, you know, wh whether I realize it or not, there was definitely this like, oh, my pastor is giving me some kind of closer way to figure this out. Um, even though I know that my, because I would even ask my parents sometimes, I'm like, so do they know and we don't know? Or like, who knows more? Yeah. Like, what's going on here? <laughs> you know, and it's like, no, you know, close to your own relationship with God. But even that felt a little limiting sometimes based on just what was surrounded by by God, the word God, you know, and I've heard you kind of talk yeah. about how you don't feel like God is a man or woman, um, has a sex, but I also heard you say him, so I didn't know if him was yeah. an easier way of addressing or- I call God everything. I mean, we are, like, it doesn't matter to God what we call him, just that we seek him. We invented language. When God created the earth billions of years ago, which was- billions and millions of years before humans even came into existence there was no language there was no english like 
our language developed based on our ability to communicate and our consciousness raising and, you know, and our societies formed around that, but like God didn't need any of that to exist or to be experienced. And so, you know, sometimes like, I think up until recently, we've all kind of collectively referred to God as him because that's what's pervasive in not just our society, but pervasive in the world. It's, it's been pushed that to us for thousands and thousands of years that God is a him and this and that and father and this, you know, so I think like, sometimes I'll call God father, mother, God. Sometimes I'll call God him. Sometimes I'll call God the universe. Sometimes I'll cut like, it's the essence of it is all the same. I don't have to call God any one thing. Like God exists inside of me. God, you know, like I am also the essence of God. You are the essence of God. Christ is the essence of God. Like he gives his essence to all of us, the spirit of him, you know? Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've known people that come up with their own nicknames and it's also dependent on our relationship with God, which is also, you know, historically why why so often religion had been used as a tool of oppression when you think of like the Christian crusades and, you know, different things that have happened has come from the church over the years. It's, it's because different people will try to structure how you experience God, which then in turns how you experience yourself and how you experience the world. So, you know, I think whatever we choose to call that epic being that uh, breathed life, into us that created us. Um, I think maybe I, I even feel more comfortable with the term like creator. Um, whatever we choose to call him, her, it, it doesn't matter to him. He just wants us to call him. <laughs> so good. So good. Such a great reminder. Um, can you take us back to that moment where, because I expressed to you that I reached out to you like six months ago and said that I, I, I truly was like, I understand what you have her in my life. Like truly, I, I, cause I met you um, a year ago and I was like, she is so dope, she's so cool, she's so expansive. And I didn't actually have questions for you then or even like a full relatability to your experience. I was like, damn, she's so dope. Like I love people who pivot. Like that's my favorite thing. I love people who talk about their pivot and give us permission to do so. And then I was in one that I felt was so similar to yours and I truly was like, so Debbie was good. Like, what's up? Like, I'm not really like, what's up? Like, you know, and I, I said that I I'm in the entertainment space and I've been in the entertainment space for a long time and I was looking for something deeper. And so can you take yeah. us to your moment of that? Um, somebody who was so talented in that space and, and maybe saw herself in a specific way and was so used to a certain type of job and, and all those things that we attach to our identity and then made a choice of, I'd like to find out deeper. Can you take us there? And what, what in you allowed you to trust yourself to, to try and to look and to see? Yeah. So I'm, I've always been, I wouldn't say that I've always trusted myself, right? Like I've always gone back and forth about certain things in my life. Um, not always having made the best decisions in many ways. Um, but something in me that's always been a piece of my identity and who I am is that I'm not afraid to take a risk. Like I am a risk taker, a lifelong risk taker. And a lot of that was cultivated in me from moving around and changing schools really often as a young person and always having to show up and start over. Um, but I, I mean, when I decided to leave my career in entertainment, 
I had, I had done that a few years earlier before, like I had bet on myself and I had like walked out of my job and like moved to another state by myself. I'd done that twice. So I, I kind of had already experienced the way God shows up for you when you take a risk on yourself, when you listen to his voice. And so that part, I always felt safe and comfortable with, like I knew there would be a soft place to land. But I think for me, you know, I had a fun run. I really liked entertainment. It's something I always wanted to work in broadcasting in some capacity. I was really blessed to have um, a, a pretty fast rise at a young age. Like I started in radio at 18 and then I was like the youngest music director in the country by like 22, 23. Like I'd done a, I'd done a bunch of stuff, but I just started realizing, okay, I'm checking things off the list. I have the career, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm ha got a little money, got the car. Why don't I feel the way society told me I was supposed to feel when I get successful? Like, I wanna be ecstatic about my life. Why do I feel like there's a, like it's a little too surface? Like it's a little too, um, too much of a facade. Why doesn't it feel better or deeper, richer, you know? Um, more plush. And so I started noticing that. And then I started getting really stressed out. I was, and the thing that drew me to entertainment was always that human connection. I'm a deeply, deeply curious person about the world and myself. And so I loved interviewing people and, you know, doing and talking to my listeners and doing all of that stuff. Like it drove me. Um, but then when I was showing up for work and it's like, I'm expected to talk about things I don't care about all day, like things that I actually don't think about at all when I'm not here. I don't want to think and talk about celebrities. I don't want to come up with judgments about people and what they're doing or what they're not doing. I don't want to force people, force feed people certain music or certain experiences that I actually think are deeply harmful, you know? Um, and when I started noticing that my integrity didn't feel in alignment, which is not to say that anything in that world is bad or anything has to be like judged, right? It's just for me, I knew I was called to do something different, not better, but different. And so much of my life outside of work had become wrapped up in studying growth and studying trauma and studying healing and doing, you know, practicing different healing modalities and deep diving in that world that it began to be that every time I went to work, I'd be like, ah, oh, dang, like now I got to do this, something I don't care about for this amount of time. I could be using this time on this. And so when I started really getting there, I just said, it's time to go. Also, let me free up this position. Like, let me, let me, create space for other people that are deeply passionate about this because I'm just not. Wow. Wow. So it, even recognizing that part of yourself, did you feel scared? Did you feel nervous? Did you just, as you said, you said, okay, there was soft place to land, but you knew. Yeah. It, and to say that I knew, I didn't know what it would become, right? I didn't know what it would be, but I knew that there was no shame and no harm in attempting something else. I've never been scared to fail um, because I don't care what people think of me. <laughs> so for me, it's not a failure. For me, it's just like, oh, interesting. Okay. That didn't work. Right, right, right. Can you try this, right? If I were to look at it, the lens of what other people thought of me, well, I'd never be able to get out of bed. Like, I can't control that. They also aren't really creating thoughts about me. They're creating thoughts about whatever narrative they painted in their minds of me. 
to feel better about themselves. So yeah, I don't, I don't No, I've never been, I've never been scared to fail in that way. And I think when I decided to make that, that pivot, I, I honest to God did not know how it would turn out. I could have never fathomed that I'd eventually be having, you know, working at the company of my dreams, like having this position as chief impact officer for Chopra Global leading daily meditations on a global app or having my company or working in wellness full time and, and growing and helping and serving. I never could have fathomed this. Also, none of these things existed at the time that I did that. Um, but I never, I never, ever could have fathomed this. But I knew there was something for me. And even if that something meant I was, quote unquote, irrelevant or no longer tied to entertainment, that didn't bother me in the least because I'm co-creating an epic masterpiece with God. You know, like I'm, I'm crafting something that's my own and it doesn't need to be validated or even supported by anyone else. Um, so yeah, I always thought I would be more than fine, but I, I never quite knew what that looked like. And that's where that takes that fearlessness, that, that ability to take risks and feel confident in those choices. Um, but the more we practice making those choices, the easier it becomes. The more we practice following our gut, it, it takes cultivation. It's not easy. It isn't. It, it wasn't easy for me. It's taken me my whole life to become this version of me you know, um, but it's, it's the practice and it's the non-judgment and the way that I think of myself now, which is, and I, I really want to stress this, like I make lots of interesting choices that may not always be the best choices to make in each situation, right? Like I am not a perfect being, not even close. I am a deeply flawed, flawed human doing the best that I can. Um, but I will say that I've gotten to a space where I have cultivated and practiced a deep knowingness about myself and my path. And so that provides ample space for me to trust in all moments. I love that. And I love that you, again, every time you talk to your journey and perfections and moments of clarity, I just can I get, I'm getting permission slips. Like that's what I, I'm like, I'm just getting filled with that. And I'm hoping our guests are also feeling that because that was the first thing I, um, I really got from you when we first met. I was like, why do I feel like she's allowing me to, like it truly, I was like, this, this woman makes me feel like I can try again or look deeper or go in a place that maybe I haven't gone before. And again, I, I feel like we're in a very, pivotal time in our generation. And I believe that so many people are feeling that, um, like I said, the gray area, that moment of what is this? What is it wrong? Is it right? And so thank you for continuing to, to do that. And every answer I can feel that I'm like, there it is again, y'all like, hello, like, I hope you're really tapping into it. So that's really special. Um, before we wrap, because I don't want to take too much of your time, but I wanted to ask you three tools that we, as we're continuing to practice, the three tools that you feel very secure in on that gray area and cultivating and practicing in that gray area because we don't really, again, it's becoming my favorite color, but in general, how do you truly and what practices do you have that, that help you um, continue to discover? Yeah, so I think, um, hmm. I think also there's opportunity to like, maybe instead of 
thinking of it as a gray area because the way society has trained us, it's that gray area, some in between that's not clear and doesn't make sense. It's kind of like our rainbow area, right? Like it's, it's truly the area where anything is possible, where we're incubating ourselves to grow into whatever we feed. And so I think when I'm in that space, well, that space is my constant, my 24 seven space um, is in there, but three things that really aid me on my journey that I think are easily tangible for everyone listening. One, create a sacred space in your home, whatever that is. It can be as small as a windowsill or a tiny corner or a shelf or a drawer. Um, it can be a room if you have the space. It can be whatever you want it to look like. But create a space um, that has an air of sacredness to it, that has an air, air of connection to it. For me, my nightstand is something I've turned into my sacred space. Um, some people refer to it as an altar. It's some place that you can put things that you like that have meaning to you. And that's where I like to meditate. I like to be near that. I have candles that I really like on that space. I have some of my favorite crystals. I have um, a Bible that I got from my grandfather. I have um, my favorite book, Seven Spiritual Laws of Success. And I have, you know, just little trinkets that make me feel grounded and make me feel connected to myself and make me feel good when I see them. And so I find that that's always like, it's kind of like my little recharging station, you know, like kind of where you would put your phone. It's like in the morning and the night, that's where I go ground myself. And the more you teach yourself to create that ritual, to create that space for you, um, the easier it is for you to get into alignment because every time you go to that place, you're practicing getting grounded. So then before you know it, being grounded is part of your natural state, excuse me, or you'll notice when you're not grounded, you know? So the second thing would be build a daily spiritual practice um, or a daily routine that is in support of you remembering your wholeness. So in that daily spiritual practice, you'd want to do something that falls under each of the categories of mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And so that can be meditation, that can be journaling, that can be yoga postures, or simply stretching your body or working out if that feels connected to you. That could be doing your affirmations, that could be doing some ritual, lighting candles, you know, playing your sound bowl, um, but doing it every single day. That's something I do twice a day. I do morning and night. That's a little intense when you're just getting started. So, you know, just kind of work your way up to that if you feel so called, but kind of operating in that way um, is so powerful. Cause again, like not only are you unlocking those hidden chambers of yourself, but you're also giving yourself that daily permission to show up for you. You're teaching yourself how to show up for you and you're teaching yourself how to be with yourself. Um, and then the next thing I would say is practice non-judgment with self you know, really investigate your feelings in real time as you feel them. If you feel charge come up, if you feel like you're obsessing over a conversation playing in your head, really try to pick apart the fibers of what that is. What is the deeper understanding there? Um, and, a, and a really easy way to do that is, you know, pe people have said, talk to yourself like you talk to your best friend, but I think we need to take it a step further talk to yourself like you would speak to any three-year-old on the street. Any child you met, no matter whose child it was, most of us, like decent humans, would, you'd greet that child with enthusiasm, with a joy. You know, if you heard that child say something, I'm stupid, 
something like that to themselves, right? You'd, be, you'd rush in. You would feel compelled to rush to that child's aid so that they could see the vastness of their self-worth, so that they could see that they were enough. So treat yourself like you would anybody's three-year-old child. Talk to yourself with that same voice. Why not? It's in your own head. On days that you're not feeling good about yourself, say, you are so beautiful. You are so incredible. Give yourself that tenderness. You know, that's something we miss when we become adults. We don't have as easy access. And depending on your childhood, maybe you never did. So let's give ourselves that tenderness um, that we long for. And that helps you learn how to trust yourself. That helps you learn how to be gentle with yourself and how to experience yourself as enough in real time, no matter what's going on. I love that. Experiencing yourself as enough. Oh, so good. Yeah, it's so good. Oh, we really are part of the not, not enough culture. Yeah. And, you know, they, they make money off of us continuing to stay that way. And that really shakes me. I'm like, oh, y'all have been trying to, Oh, y'all been trying to ruin it? Okay, yeah, no, I can't. And, and that clarity that I feel like I didn't, I, you know, we all knew about it, but I think we were willing to keep figuring it out and just deciding that let's keep pressing ourselves to, to see if we do become enough, even for ourselves. And I think this pandemic really sat us down to, to really sit with those, those thoughts and, and say, is that the culture I want to be a part of? Is that the rat race I want to be a part of? And yeah. I love that that was something that you mentioned as well. And so... I have to ask you this last question because I do feel like it'll be beautiful to kind of hear your response. What is the last thing you forgave yourself for, for the first time? Hmm. I do that all the time. So forgiving yourself is about forgiving yourself for the tiniest of moments. So I think the other day I was in traffic and I got so frustrated. Um, one of my biggest frustrations that I'm working through is when people don't know how to merge on the freeway. And so like, I was like, I had somewhere to be and I was just like, you have got to be kidding me. And then I sat like, you know, I'm in the car and then I was like, take a breath. And so I took a deep breath in the car and I forgave myself for experiencing it as that, experiencing someone else on their road, their very literal journey um, and judging them and thinking, you know, I thought all kind of awful things about them. Um, and I forgave myself for that moment of anger because I was just, you know, it's like, it's okay. Yeah, today has been tough. All right, take a breath. You're okay. You're not a bad person because you wanted to cuss that person out. You're not, you know, your life isn't over because of this. So take a breath. And so when we think about like non-judgment, when we think about forgiving ourselves, it means for the big stuff, but the big stuff is typically fewer and far between. It's really forgiving yourself in real time in all the moments of discomfort or judgment that come up for you. Thank you so much for being on this episode. Yes. Thank you for having me. So good. I hope everybody feels, I'm, I'm truly like, when I, when I hear stuff, sometimes I forget I'm hosting the show because I'm like, right, right, right. And then I'm like, but it's just, it's so beautiful because I truly believe we are in such a connected space now, even though we have been far away, even though we all have in the same way I think that you know even though social media has its stuff I do feel like we have learned a lot from each other in this time yeah tools and these skills and just constantly reminding ourselves of the of the non-judgment putting this away as much as we need to um, you know and really diving into conversations or practices that teach us 
of our enoughness. I can't get enough of that. That's amazing. It's so good. So thank you for being a part of that. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Human to Human podcast and this episode featuring a conversation with Debbie. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, leave a review. And while you're at it, definitely share this with someone you love or just someone you like, but share it. Know that your feedback is so appreciated and your thoughts are valued. Stay connected between episodes at stacyag.com slash human human, where I'll be answering this episode's reflection question so we can deep breath into that together. You can also connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at one take Stace. I'm your host, Stacey Ike, and remember, guys, we are not what we do. We are who we choose to be. So let's continue to be curious. Let's be in community, be in love, be support, not only for yourself, but for others, and be real together. Hey man, it's your boy Shard. It's your boy G Downs. Here from Bad Speakers Podcast. If you're a fan of Bad Speaker Podcast, then be sure to check and subscribe to Bad Speakers Podcast. A show that covers interviews, music, hip-hop, sex, barbershop talk, anything that you want from the culture and podcast. And it's brought to you by exclusively by the Revolt Podcast Network, anchored in hip-hop, powered by creators. Hey man, if you want that real, tune in to Bad Speakers Podcast. Uncut, unadulterated, real. Hip-hop barbershop talk.